Welcome to the Evolution of Parenting. I'm Yorona. And I'm Robert. And we're both advanced certified life coaches who met during our certification program. Through our coaching sessions, we connected as parents from two different perspectives. Robert, who's the parent of adult children, and myself, the parent of a five-year-old. We both recognize that the role of parenting never stops, but it does change. And in fact, it has to change. So if we've developed a strong and healthy relationship with boundaries and a strong sense of autonomy, we will remain with our children long after we're gone. What makes this podcast unique are the parenting experiences and perspectives each of us bring to the table, as well as our backgrounds in child development and education. Each episode will explore a different topic related to parenting, and we hope to give you, the listener, some insight and takeaways in how you can relate this to your experiences as a parent. So today's topic for our 12th episode is going to be, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a wrap up, but our main focus for today is going to be talking about resiliency and not just resiliency for your children, but resiliency as a parent too, Mm -hmm. because we also need to maintain our resiliency, especially Mm -hmm. in our really difficult role as parents. And we're going to come at resiliency from a couple different perspectives. And then we're also going to round out with a little bit about our legacy, the legacy we leave behind as parents. Um, and on that note, we want to also let you guys know that with this being our 12th, Robert and I specifically designed it so that we could have 12 for the series. And at that point, after our 12th, after this one, we're going to be pivoting a little bit and creating something a little bit different. Robert, you want to explain a little further? Yeah, we thought we uh, we wanted to include your voices as the listeners because you've listened to us a lot and you've probably had some thoughts or hopefully you've had some thoughts and reactions to it. But we want to invite you into that process. So we created a Facebook page specifically to be the companion to the podcast. Same title. We'll put the link in uh, when we when we publish it as well. And you can go and this way we'll put all of the episodes up individually and you can comment on them. And we really wanted to see how the community responds to this because we know that we have a particular perspective and we know that there are other perspectives out there that may or may not resonate with the one that we have. And we don't want to have that conversation. We want to know, um, hey, this really resonated with me. I really appreciate that. And we also want to know, hey, man, you guys are really way out there in wacko land uh, with what you were talking about. We want to have that conversation because parenting is a conversation. It's not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. So we created the Facebook page to be the kind of conversation starter companion to the podcast series. Yeah. Um, And let's get real. Honestly, everybody has different takes, different perspectives. We're human. We have such a vast variety of the ways that we we are informed as parents, Mm -hmm. right, from our own histories, Um, and from our partnerships. And there's so much that goes into the way we are who we are and how we show up both as people and as parents. And so what Robert is is kindly trying to say is that we recognize that there are going to be people who disagree with some of the things we say, and we're okay with that. In fact, we kind of want you to challenge us. Um, We're looking for people to bring in their takes 
and their perspectives and also their struggles. We've talked about a lot of things and Robert and I have never pretended to be perfect when we talk about these things. So we talk a lot about the mistakes we make too. But more importantly, we also realize that we're we're touching on topics that you may still be struggling with. And maybe you want some more specific strategies for how to get over those burdens, those humps, those struggles, um, you know, and those failures and how to try to make progress towards changing your way that you parent. So we, we want to be able to address all those things in our, in our next upcoming series. Um, so on that note, we'll go into resiliency a little bit and let's talk about resiliency from a child's perspective. So when I think about resiliency and Robert and I were talking about this earlier, uh, we think about failure a lot and we think about when our children have a hard time maybe achieving something, or maybe they fail at that something, maybe they get a bad grade, or maybe they, you know, don't get into the school that they wanted, or they don't get the job that they wanted. Resiliency and failure, it doesn't mean resisting the failure. Mm -hmm. It means being more capable of picking yourself back up after you've experienced a failure or a loss or a pain or a hurdle or a struggle. Um, I, I think about it sort of like, I think about this metaphor of a person standing at the edge of, a, you know, a shore line and getting battered by really rough um, waves. And rather than stand there resisting the waves, sometimes the best thing we can do is allow ourselves to be carried backwards with the wave and then pick ourselves back up again and move a little bit further into the water. And what I see, and I'm going to tell you this really specifically with my son, as his personality is starting to really come through and shine through, I see that in a lot of ways, he's a lot like a little me, where there's a <laughs> bit of a perfectionist in him. Mm -hmm. And perfectionism is such a hard thing in the face of failure, Ooh. Because he gets so frustrated when he can't do th something. And the other day, my husband and I were talking about this. And I said, I, you know, this is the thing I think I worry most for him. He, he was at camp and trying to draw something in their art class. And he was determined to draw this star that perfectly. And he couldn't. And I was told later by um, one of the counselors that he really had a hard time. He was struggling so much. He was so upset with himself for being unable to draw the star. His want to do something is greater than his current skill for doing mm -hmm. that thing. Yeah. And I see that in a lot of the things he does, like, I can't do this. And he gets so upset that he can't do something perfectly that his frustration level raise, rises. So one of the things when it comes to resiliency, being resilient against that frustration, against that thing that's happening that you have no control over because you may want to do it, but you don't know how to do it or you haven't developed the skill to do it, that can be a really hard thing because in that moment, giving up seems like an easier option than trying to push forward through the failure. Oh, let's face it. It is. It's, it's physically and emotionally easier just to say, oh. Forget it. It's too hard, right? I get it. And by the way, I just want to add, Your Honor, like you were explaining that metaphor of the shore. 
And for parents who live by the ocean or take your kids to the beach, that is exactly the strategy used to get your child out of a riptide. You do not fight the riptide. You roll with the riptide until it comes into the shore and you're all good. So just wanted to put that out there, just a little you know, beach swimming safety thing. But uh, no, it's perfect But because it illustrates that we're not talking about fighting against things. And we also recognize the fact that um, there's an adage out there. I'll put it this way. There's an adage out there that says what doesn't uh, kill you makes you stronger. And there are times when that can be true, but for the most part, I don't like it because it implies that everything that comes at you or everything you experience is going to automatically result in a positive thing, right? And that's not the case. We fully recognize that there are things that can come into your life that are so traumatic that you do not recover from them. Yeah. Doesn't mean you can't, but you don't. They're hard. And they leave long-lasting trauma and they leave scars that are deep. So we're not being, we don't want to be Pollyanna or naive here. We get it. Absolutely. You know, there are the situations where if you can focus on your response to the thing, whatever the thing is, that does help reorient your brain and your thinking a little bit to, okay, this happened. I either had control or I didn't have control, depending on the situation. And here's how I responded. And guess what? I wake up today, I'm still in this world, I'm okay, I may not be in the best place I want to be, but I'm all good, right? I'm here. And so survival perhaps becomes the first step. And then thriving maybe comes later. But you know, resilience is about it, it is about how you respond to the thing, because there's always going to be things. Oh, this is the hardest part about that. There's always going to be things not only in your child's life, but in your life. Yeah. And I want to throw this story out there. Okay, I'll do it. I'm just going to throw everybody in my family under the bus all at one time. um, This is, I think this is one of the areas where what you do says way more than anything you will ever say to your child, because you can, you will experience things and your child's picking up on your response to it. For me, for example, it's my driving. That's that's a low-level example here. And they pick up on how I respond to other drivers who are, let's face it, not as good a driver as I am. Right? <laughs> They're just not. On, they do not belong in front of me. They belong behind me. But all, my point is that they're watching. And I can say anything I want to them about how to respond to other drivers. But they're watching what I do, Yeah. Right. So that's kind of a low key way, but I'll tell you, there's another way when uh, my wife and I recently had a big argument and our youngest son is at home uh, for college for the summer. And unfortunately he had to witness that he was there because we couldn't script the timing for a time that, that, that he wasn't necessarily there. And what I noticed was that he kind of wanted to be a mediator in that because he felt like my wife was saying things that I wasn't hearing and I was saying things that my wife wasn't hearing, but he was hearing all of it, um, almost like Switzerland. And it became a little bit difficult. And so we had these moments in our relationships and I had never thought about really whether or not to involve my kids in my marriage things, right? Because I always kind of had the idea that marriage things are marriage things and you don't bring the kids in 
to mediate or to be involved in that. And so I'm having to, this is an in the moment TBD kind of parenting learning for myself, like what to do with my adult children. Because one of the points they would make is like, listen, you raised us with all of these qualities. So why would you not expect us to want the best for you and mom and not be able to participate this in, in a particular way that, I mean, you did this. So, you know, kind of like you got to live with the consequences now. But my point there is, is to say that I can say a lot of things about parenting adult kids, but a lot of it is I don't know it all. I haven't re- I'm not at the end of it. Yeah. Um, and some of it is I don't know how it's going to come out. I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I can only share with you what I'm experiencing as I'm going through it. I want to touch on like a couple of things because you you touched on some so, so many really great things, Robert. Um you know, number one is the the reason why I titled my book the way that I did. So Robert and I are at the end, we're going to tell you a little bit more about where you can find us and stuff. But just so you guys know, I am writing a parenting book and that should be out by the end of this year. And I titled it Unspoken Signals, mm-hmm. Essential Parenting Skills to Raise Emotionally Secure Children. And the reason I went for the unspoken signals is because your kids pick up on so much of what's not spoken. And in Mm -hmm. fact, they replicate a lot of the things you do in the unspoken stuff you do, because we don't, we don't even consciously choose sometimes the way we're doing that thing. Um, For instance, to go back to, you know, the parent fighting argument and like having the resiliency in those moments to figure out what I'm navigating in this moment is really hard Mm-hmm. And I know for myself, when I was a kid, I, my parents didn't cover any arguments. Not only did they not cover the arguments, but their communication skills were horrifying. They were screwed. Mm-hmm. They would scream at each other and yeah. say horrible, horrible things. And we were right there. We were in the mm-hmm. thick of it. The instability of that, of that fighting scared me. And it, I will say it scarred me to thinking that as I move forward in life, I only wanted to have a relationship with someone who I didn't fight with. Mm-hmm. So when I started to develop relationships, I would pick, um, I would pick relationships where I would end up conforming so much to my partner because mm-hmm. I didn't want to disagree. I didn't want to have that because I was afraid it was just so, avoid the conflict. Yeah, yeah. Just avoid the conflict. And then I started maturing. And as I matured, I started realizing, well, why can't I just have a nice conversation about it? Why can't we just put our feelings on the tables? And I would try that. But then I, again, still picked wrong partners for a variety of different reasons. And that didn't work. And what I realized now, and especially in my parenting role, is that the way that Carl and I are, we don't hide our conflicts and disagreements from Connor. Because one of the things that I really came hard to to pivot on was the recognition that your kids are, again, with these unspoken signals, your kids are a lot more aware of the things than mm-hmm. you think. Yeah. You may think you're the best actor and, you know, you're only <laughs> arguing at night when they're asleep and everything like that mm-hmm. and everything else is fine, but you're not. And they're picking up on the unspoken signals of the conflict between you and your partnership that are not being spoken about and they're that's resonating with them and they're not sure what to do with that un- insecure feeling because they mm-hmm. don't know where it's coming from. Right. But if you talk it out, if you actually 
even if you have an argument or a disagreement in front of your kids. And then later, when everybody's more calm, you talk to your kids about that. And you say like, you know, mommy and daddy or daddy and daddy or mommy and mom, you know, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. we were disagreeing and we were, we weren't seeing from each other's perspective and you have that conversation. And there are a lot of varied ways to do this with both young kids and older kids. Um, but it doesn't matter what age your child is at. Trying to cover the conflicts is only going to have them picking up on the unspoken signals of the fact that there is a conflict and it will leave them feeling unstable, but not sure why they're feeling that way. Right. And, and there's, there's three things that I firmly believe every human being is literally is built on thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And sometimes we can't control our thoughts about something. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we can't even control how we feel about something, but we, Mm -hmm. we can do is work on our behaviors And a lot of times when we work on those behaviors, we have a better ability to actually reframe our own thinking process about that. Yeah. So for instance, like, you know, you were saying about the car driving thing. So today I actually had a circumstance where I was driving Connor to camp uh, along with a counselor that we're giving rides to. And everywhere we turned, there was a detour and construction. So what normally takes me 10 minutes, maybe, uh, maybe 12 to get there was taking us a good 30 plus minutes. And I was so frustrated. And I'm a terrible, like I get road ragey. I, I just, I, that's one of my things. It's one of my <laughs> triggers. I can't, I'm going to admit it. Yeah. It's not, one of the reasons I love the Both fact that I don't have a commute anymore is yeah. because of that. So when I started to feel it, I was feeling these feelings and I was having a hard time you know, re-establishing my emotional control over them and re-establishing, okay, I can't do anything about this. But I was determined not to start to get to exhibit behaviors that showed Connor the emulation of a poor driver or a ragey driver. So I kept thinking, okay, how do I do this? What do I do? What do I do? And so I put, I had music playing. So then I started like talking to Connor about the music and, and um, the counselor. And we were just kind of chatting and stuff. And I was like, and I even had to express, I'm like, we're on this road and it's like 50 miles an hour is the speed limit. And it was, it's never 50 miles an hour on that, (laughs) that road. And what I came to realize was even in just talking it out, I was able to release a little bit of that tension and then reshift to, Hey, I love this song. What do you love about this song? And da, da, da. And then have that conversation. And as I changed my behaviors, my outward behaviors, I noticed that internally I was calming down a bit Mm. and I was starting to have better management control over my emotions. So sometimes it really is a cyclical thing of thoughts, Mm. feelings, and behaviors. And we can't always control those two. And I, I want to touch back on one other thing that you said before, because I think this is, it bears repeating. When we talk about resiliency, we aren't necessarily saying that the things that hurt you will no longer hurt. Right. But, and we aren't even saying that you're not suffering because let me tell you for mm-hmm. suffering, I've known, a, I've known a day or two or mm-hmm. 10,000 in which I've had a lot of pain and had to hold a lot of suffering and pain. And there have been days where I have not been able to get out of bed. But resiliency means I'm still in that bed. Resiliency Mm -hmm. means sometimes it literally means just doing the basic functioning 
to get through the minute to minute movements that mm -hmm. it takes to survive until you can get back onto a road with support and connections and empathy from other humans that will help you get back into the world of thriving. Yeah, that's, I think the support and connections is an important piece of this too, because of, oftentimes um, we, we think like, oh, I got to do this all by myself. And sometimes we are in a situation where, you know, physically you're the only one present in that moment. I get it. I get it. But the ability to establish relationships with other people where you can, they can help you do that is important. And again, this is what we model with our kids. And we talked about, you know, um, marriage, you know, partner trauma, right? Yeah. And and it happens. And we can't forget that in that moment, not only is there a conflict between the partners, but if your child has witnessed that or, or you know, maybe even been a part of that inadvertently, that child has been traumatized in a way that needs to be processed. It needs to be dealt with. So, and it's not that you, as we said, it's not that you keep conflict behind closed doors because that's not necessarily healthy either, but the ability to go to the child or be with the child, even as an adult and say, Hey, here's what was going on. You know, here's what I was feeling. Um, and especially if you can do it as both partners, it's even better. Um, but even one, Help, because the child has, they have to process that. They've experienced it. Yeah. You can't act like they haven't experienced it. You can't say, well, they didn't hear me, so whatever. Or because of the, the nonverbal cues that you just talked about, they know what the hell's going on. They, do. they get it. They can read body language. They know that, you know, if you're storming around the kitchen, it's not because, the you know, the rice is not cooking fast enough. Right. There's something else going on. And the problem is that if you don't help them process it, they don't know. Yes. They, they can't know. know what the what the, what the trigger is or what the, the thing you're experiencing is. And so you you generate so many things in sitting down with your child as a young one or as an old child and, and walking them through that. And again, going back to empathy. Right. We talked about empathy way, way back in the one of the early episodes where this is how it happens. Yes. They don't have that insight. They don't have that that peak in the window, so to speak, in a safe way. Then they're left with interpreting everything they see, mm -hmm. everything they hear and everything they experience on their own without your wisdom. Right. And they may come to some very damaging conclusions when that happens, too. Um, one thing I will say. A hundred percent, a thousand percent. I have met so many people who are children of divorced parents, who are children of parents who stayed together and had their one parent was cheating on the other, who mm -hmm. I've, I've met so many people who have been scarred by the things that their parents did when their parents thought that they were doing what was right for their children. Mm -hmm. When the truth is what's right is being truthful and honest mm -hmm. and being open and willing to admit when you've made a mistake and willing to own your mistakes and try to do better. So one of the things that I I can honestly say that impacted me greatly when I was an adult was that my mother finally apologized to me. Mm -hmm. One day um, we were having a long conversation and I, you know, we were talking about my childhood and I said, you know, you could never admit when you were wrong. And she 
And, and we had these, I, I told her all these things that she did and said to me. And she said, I honestly, I, I don't remember saying those things, mm. but you're telling me that I did. And I'm truly sorry for that. I, I really, you know, I, I have to believe that what you're saying is your experience and I'm sorry. And yeah. she was truly apologetic for the harm that that had fallen on me. And I will tell you that that apology was so impactful. But now here's the thing. I made so many wrong turns as a young adult. And I do believe that there are a large part of the wrong turns I made because I was trying to course correct for the mistakes of my childhood. I was trying to course correct for the way that my parents behaved because I didn't have them modeling healthier behaviors. Now, if they had modeled unhealthy behaviors, but then they had tried to healthfully fix those with me and sit us down and kind of talk those things out, I would have understood better the continuation of that, you know, the, the, how those melded together, but I didn't. And so it was really discordant and I had mm-hmm. to piece those pieces together. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that probably one of the most impactful moments that came to me in this realization was when my father told us that they were getting a divorce I was about 14 and we were sitting on the porch and it was after another explosive fight. And then he and I were just sitting alone and he told me all these things. He told me about my mother's abusive childhood. He told me all the things that I had no no knowledge of. Mm -hmm. And then he even told me that my sister, who was older than me at the time, so I was 14 and she was, she was like 17. He told me that when she was nine, she went to my father and said, why don't you just get a divorce? She said uh-huh. that to my parents. So if you think that you're staying, and, and I have to really firmly tell you guys this, this is something, again, some people may disagree with me, but you're not doing your kids a service by staying together if you're not actively working on trying to really work on your marriage and mm-hmm. show your children that you've made mistakes in your marriage and you're actively working to try to fix them. Mm-hmm. If you are saying to each other, you know what? We hate each other. We no longer want to be together, but we'll stay together for the sake of the children. And that is the only reason. And you're not actively like in marriage therapy and you're not actively trying to work towards bettering your individual relationship with, with your spouse or your partner. Then staying together for the children's sake is one of the most detrimental things you can do. So I wanted to make sure I added a caveat. I'm not saying get divorced. <laughs> I'm yeah. saying if you aren't actively engaging and trying to fix your marital relationship, then you, and say you, you're only going to be in it for the kids, you will resent each other. That resentment will bleed through. You will argue. You will become either outwardly aggressive or passively aggressive. And you will do all of these things that will show your children this is the way you treat your partner. Yep. And, and again, to bring it, you know, to bring, to tie it back into resiliency, you know, firmly you're you you are either helping your child process these moments or the child is having to process them on their own and they don't have the skills to do so that's the only two possibilities here yeah right so what we're trying to emphasize in this in this resiliency piece is conflict is inevitable Um, tough relationships are inevitable inevitable bad crap is going to come at you, right? Your child's paying attention and helping them 
pay attention in a way that helps create strength inside them is what we're going for. Right. And not just leave them twisting in the wind to figure out, well, that was an interesting car ride. What does that all mean? You know, is that the way I should behave when I drive or whatever? Um, And then, you know, you're, because at some point you're probably going to come back with some quote unquote words of advice and all of the behaviors that you demonstrated leading up to the words of advice um, might actually negate the impact of the words of advice, <laughs> you know, because they're going to see. Now, you know, in my case, with Spectre with driving, I'm so grateful that they have their mother who drives very differently. She's calm. She's, you know, she doesn't let things phase her, you know. Because for me, when I'm driving, it's all about justice, right? Like this person did something wrong and they should be punished for it. Oh, there's no cop around. I should be the punisher, you know, whatever. Um, and my wife will often, she'll look at me like, why did that bother you? You know, and we have these conversations and we go back and I'll tell her, I'll tell her exactly how I feel. So at least when the kids understand why my more demonstrative behaviors, um, where they come from. Right. It's not that I'm trying to be perfect. It's not that I'm trying to excuse myself, but at least there's some understanding. So I have to think that, you know, as, as I've driven with them, you know, my older kids all drive, I would quote, better than me. Right. It's not that they don't get upset, but they're not nearly as demonstrative um, because I think they're able to see, um, hey, and understand that, hey, this is the way dad drives, but I understand why dad drives that way. I'm not there. I'm not dad. I'm not driving. So I don't need to do that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it's, it, it, the whole driving thing is, is just, it's such a funny thing because it really, it's amazing that you can, there are certain things that can just trigger a part of you that you're like, why am I getting so upset about this? Exactly. And you're like, and you're like, I don't get it. And, but that's the thing though. And you can even say to your kid, like, you know, you know, mommy's upset that this, we're not moving anywhere and that we're not getting the, to the place <laughs> yeah. that we want to need to get to on time. But the truth is that, you know, I'm in charge of this really powerful machine. And yeah. so I still have to be responsible. So I might be saying like, move, move, or like, you know, come on, come on, but I'm not going to push them out of the way. And I'm not going to do something that would get us into an unsafe circumstance. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, sometimes it's really good. In fact, it's really, really good when you can allow your child to vent their feelings. I wouldn't say sometimes, yeah. all the time. It's important to have the allowance, the recognition that resiliency is also, again, with that go with the, the flow of the water situation and, and allow it to take you. Sometimes that means expressing your emotions exhibiting them, mm-hmm. allowing them out so that they funnel out of you, but then you can still behave appropriately. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, all thoughts, all feelings are welcome, but not all behaviors are. No, absolutely. That's what it means to live in a, a connected society, right? Yeah. To, to be a, a member, you know, we've talked about all the kinds of things we, we do this series of podcasts yeah. so that people become more better connected, better members of society. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Because on that note, we want to ensure that we're leaving a legacy of progress, a legacy of trying to do better and be better, a legacy of 
making the world better than it was when we came into it in some small measure, you know, one human can't change everything, but one human can make one change that can affect another change and another change and another change. It's a ripple effect. And I, when we talk about legacy, we're not talking about leaving your, you know, business behind or having your child follow in your footsteps of your career path or anything of that nature, because your child is their own person. And this goes back to our episode on autonomy. So they're going to make the choices that they're going to make for themselves that may be completely different than what you want to do in your life and what purpose you have and what um, thing you leave. Legacy is really about the lessons that we learn and how that shapes progress and how we can leave good lessons for those to come in the future. One of the things we talked about a lot when we were before the podcast even kind of came up and what led us to the idea for the podcast wasn't, was not, oh my God, those are such cool tips and tricks for parenting your own or man, Robert, that was, we should write that one down. This is not about tips and tricks and hacks. The perspective we took is you will leave a legacy in your child's life, assuming that you pass before your child. You will leave a legacy in your child's life one way or another, for better or for worse. And what we're suggesting is that we, if we realize that early enough, we can make the choice for the for better side right? There are things that we know when my dad passed, he left a legacy. So but he passed suddenly. So I didn't get to get to some of the things that we probably should have uh, talked through. So and when I pass, you know, my kids will carry on things uh, that I have, and my wife have helped them become. And they will probably reject several things that uh, they saw like, yeah, I'm not going to do that, you know, so it, it, it is about recognizing that one way or another, when you pass, you will have an effect from the before birth yeah. to the point where you pass, no matter how old they are, no matter how old you are, you're going to have some kind of a parenting impact one way or another. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is something that I strive to really build awareness around Mm -hmm. for a lot of people we've all you know at some point will experience it's not an it's not an if it's a when we will experience a loss yeah Yeah. and my determination is that the legacy i leave for my child is that he's able to move on successfully with the losses he experiences you know, um, when he lost the, our, when we lost our cat, that was his first e- excessive loss mm. or that was his first big one. Um, unless something happens to me and my husband, his, you know, his, my husband's parents will probably go before us. And then that my son will have to deal with that. And all of these losses, they, they do something to a person. They change you intrinsically when you lose someone you love, mm. but it's not an if you'll lose somebody it's a when Mm -hmm. and i i'm constantly talking about things like that and what i've come to realize is that children are so much more resilient than we give them credit for in -hmm. fact oftentimes adults are less resilient to the losses than children 
but we think, oh, they're too young and innocent to experience this. Mm. When the truth is that they have a much more open window. Everything is a, the possibility. Yeah. Possibilities are much more endless for children. Mm. And with possibilities come hope. Hope for better, hope for, for striving for something good and worthy. And when you have that kind of mindset and then you can make space for a loss, you still don't lose your hope. But over time, things can happen that can create bitterness, resentment and things of that nature. And people start to wall off that hope and endless possibility. And so then when a loss hits, it feels a lot more significant than when you're open-minded to hope and possibilities. So kids have that adaptability and resiliency for loss because they're not as walled off to hope yeah. and possibility. And, and what I want people to understand is that there are ways to allow your child the, their space to process loss and help them process that loss rather than try to restrict them from that loss. And, mm-hmm. and then don't you do them that disservice of not allowing them to process it for themselves. Yeah. So I, I always go back to that because I think that for me, my legacy is going to be ensuring that my son is, is capable of getting back up on his feet after the wave smashes into him and saying, you know what? My mom gave me a lot of lessons in life and I'm going to carry those forward and I'm going to do her legacy and memory and honor by carrying these, these ideas and ideals forward in my life and really making the most of the finite time that I have here. And that's, that's the only hope I really have for him. Some of the, the best, strongest parents that I know um, of all of them that I know, and I know many, I don't know that any of them, and certainly not my wife, or it, walked into having a child and recognizing that the greatest impact, the greatest thing you can ever leave in their life, your legacy will be how you raise them, both as young children and in how you treat them as, as adults. Yeah, There's nothing greater than that. I don't care how much money you leave behind. I don't care how big your business impact is. The impact that one human has or a pair of humans have on little humans or adult humans is greater than, than, than anything. Now we can talk about, you know, how money factors in that, but that's not my point. My point is that we often don't think about this before we go into becoming parents and that's okay okay. because there's a lot of stuff that, that goes into that decision but what we are saying is that once you do become parents, A, there's always a chance to grow and mature into parenting, right? You're never going to know it all. I don't know it all. Your owner doesn't know it all. We're still figuring it out. But that growth and change is possible. We know the way our brains work. We can grow. We can change. And it is never a point in your life where it's too late to live into the legacy that you would want to have. Now, it may not unfold the way you want, depending on what life stage you're at, but there's never a point where it's too late to try to make a a change in the direction that you would like to change it and leave a legacy that you would like to leave. Yeah, absolutely. And and, um, I will say one last thing to do with that, because 
it's something that I learned from my mom. Um, we, we dealt with a lot of the pain through humor. <laughs> we, we made a lot of gallows humor jokes and we were just like, some people were like, Oh my God, why are they laughing? They're dying, you know, like, but the truth is that she once said to me, and I, I, I know this came from somewhere. She's like, man, life, nobody gets out of it alive. And the oh. way she said it and the how I was like, I was like, oh man, <laughs> you know, but the thing is, she reminded me that in that moment that it's like, you know, I have to be ready and willing and capable of facing the truth of my mortality we we haven't figured out mortality yet, right? We're not yeah, immortal, exactly. um, you know, exactly. unless there are vampires hiding out there somewhere. But because of that, we have finite time. And if we waste our strength and our breath fighting against the inevitability of our mortality, that wave that eventually crashes over you and you don't get back up from. Yeah. We waste the precious time that we could be walking the beach and finding some beautiful treasures that yeah, we could be absolutely. spending those, the, 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 the time we have with our loved ones and treasuring those moments together and really truly being present in those moments. And absolutely. so I think that that's, you know, another piece of that legacy I would love to leave for my son is to be a little bit more resilient to retaining his childhood ability to stay present in the moment because children are amazing with that. Mm -hmm. They don't just have endless hope and endless possibilities. They also have this endless ability to remain and retain in the moment. And as a result, they are much more capable of enjoying the moment for what it is. Mm -hmm. And we have a tendency to push them out of that as we keep pushing them forward into their future. So I would say that if there's one thing you can do for your kid, allow them to be present in the moment and just enjoy it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And with that, we kind of put a, a little bit of a bow on, I guess we could call it season one. Um, yep. Hoping maybe there's a season two with what we talked about before. But Yorona, where do you go from here? What's going on? How can people get a hold of you? Yeah, so I'm doing a lot of projects. <laughs> you but, are. Um, and you can find out more about those projects and go to my website. It's uh, footprintscoaching.org. Footprintscoaching. It's all one word, .org. And that's where you can find me. You can find out more about what I'm doing. I'm going to be launching a new parenting program come January um, with some early bird specials coming, uh, you know, for sign-up time around October, November. I'm doing a number of pretty big speaking engagements coming up. Um, I'm also launching my book and another book as well um, that I'm going to be kind of co-authoring on. Awesome. So I've got a lot in the pot and a lot to work on, but I will always make time for people because that is my greatest joy, honestly, is connecting to human beings and, and giving value back to other people is my greatest joy because I just want to be a helper. So and find me on my well. website. Uh, also, you can well. find me on LinkedIn and Facebook and all those places. All the normal places. <laughs> yeah, all the, all the places. Instagram. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds How about good. you, Robert? Um, 
not quite as many irons in the fire related to this. I am uh, ramping up my life coaching uh, experience. So that's, that's available. Uh, lifecoachrobert63 at gmail.com. If you want to email me directly, I do have a website, warpweftlifecoaching.com, warpweftlifecoaching.com. If you want to go there, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, um, you could also touch base with us uh, through our Facebook page for this podcast. Um, so a lot of things going on. I'm working on some workshops, uh, kind of putting some pieces together for some workshops to put out there. And I don't know. I, you know, basically last year, our youngest re- uh, graduated from high school. I feel like I'm semi-retired. So I'm not sure what life will bring, but uh, I do have some time on my hands. So I appreciate the appreciate the opportunity to do this with you. Yeah. And we're really, really hoping that people will be able to reach out to us. Like we said, we're, we're, we're up for the challenge of your questions, your yes. concerns, your commentary, um, your every, everything that you could possibly throw at us. We are happy to rise to what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on that note, people, happy Indeed. parenting. And, you know, as we say, may the evolution of your parenting skills be ever in your favor. Always. One final note, we want to thank a few people who have been here along our journey on this process and helping us. Certainly, I wouldn't be here sitting here talking with Robert and and co-hosting this podcast if it weren't for my husband, Carl, and my amazing son, Connor. Also, my parents in heaven. I mm. love them every day in every way. And Carl's parents as well have been definitely a big part of this. And a few other people that have helped us on the technical side, my marketing team, VMAC Marketing, and you can certainly find them at vmacmarketing.com. And an amazing person who helped us in the illustrations, yes. Don Huff, design and illustration. You can find him at donhuff.com. Awesome, awesome person. And Robert's going to take it away with his thank yous. And then we're going to tell you a couple of places that you can find our podcast. Yeah. I'd also like to thank the, my co-conspirator in crime when it comes to parenting, my wife, Holly. Um, I'd like to thank my adult kids who graciously let me share some of the stories um, without getting too deep in the details. So thank you, Chelsea, Austin, and Jason uh, for what you've done. And especially to my son, Jason, who has been the sound editor for this and uh, adding all the stuff that we, uh, your and I have not, developed the skills to do yet. So thank you, Jason, for that. Yeah, we're not that skilled. (laughs) Thank you, Jason. (laughs) Um, And we want to tell you one lastly, uh, where you can find our podcast. And it's now all over the place. All over the place. All over the place. Our original form, uh, our original platform of Podbean. So you can go there, find us there. There's also Podchaser. We are now on Apple Podcasts as well. Um, Samsung Podcasts. We're Spotify iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, and Boom Play. So you can find us on all those different formats, variety of ways for you to find our podcast, to listen more, and to delve in with us into this amazing journey we call the evolution of parenting. And if you want to join us in the conversation, we do, again, our Facebook page. If you just go to Facebook and uh, search for The Evolution of Parenting Podcast, again, that's The Evolution of Parenting Podcast, We'll have all of this stuff there. All of the episodes will be there and other links. So thank you all for listening along with us. Be well. And again, may your journey in this parenting evolution be ever in your favor. Bye.